Welcome to CTRM Radio, home of the official podcast of Commodity Technology Advisory and your source for information on all matters related to CTRM. Hello and welcome to CTRM Radio from Commodity Technology Advisory. My name is Gary Vesey and shortly I'll be joined as usual by my colleague Patrick Reams. For this edition, we'll look at our recently published research report on disruptive technologies, kindly sponsored by FIS. The complete report is available entirely free of charge from CTRM Center. The research also included a survey of 82 vetted and valid industry participants who expressed their views to us via a survey. We undertook the research in view of the massive amounts of change we are seeing in almost every aspect of trading commodities, from increased geopolitical risks to more regulatory scrutiny. And yet, as all of this is happening, new technologies are emerging and being rapidly deployed by the industry from the cloud to blockchain. We wanted to better understand which technologies were finding favour and which were not, and the answers were quite clear. Firstly, the cloud is an active area of investment and deployment, followed by data management and machine learning and artificial intelligence. Blockchain is seen as still some way off for more widespread commercial application. To get started, let's talk with Dr. Marcus Sizer of FIS. We contributed quite a bit and we had a chance to pre-read it. And I think this this report is more relevant than ever. And we also shared it with a lot of our client base and everybody was pretty um, impressed by the outcome. I think we uh, the, the report itself were spot on. And I think time is even accelerating. Yeah, I mean, the adoption to cloud is going much more quicker. You see more and more people moving, taking into the cloud journey, even even when um, I was talking to banks recently, when we thought, no, banks don't move to the cloud. But even now, Microsoft is considering doing data centers in Switzerland in order that, that for example, data uh, don't, leave the, don't leave the country. So the adoption is going much quicker. You see more and more blockchain technology re- reaching the surface. So companies have thought much more thoroughly about these topics than even I anticipated. And there's a lot of working groups in this area. So I think the, but to sum it up, the report was really spot on. And, and I think time is accelerating and moving faster than we all thought. I agree. I mean, one, one of the areas that the report surprised me a little bit was not necessarily the cloud, because I agree the cloud is moving very quickly, but it was the interest levels in machine learning and artificial intelligence and, and mining data. Are you seeing the same sort of trend? The machine learning and the, and the artificial intelligence you see, you see in various areas. Um, on, on the one hand, in, in the areas like algorithmic trading, I think you need to drive decisions so quickly that human being does not have the cognitive intelligence to make these decisions faster than a machine. And you need to get orders properly, properly done. The second piece, my machine learning is, is automation, cost of, cost of human beings. And I'll try to automate this as much as I can, but it's not said, but we are talking not about simplified robots. We're talking about intelligent robots. And so this is the area, this is the area what, you, what you're going to see. You see this not only in the areas like algo trading, but also when it comes to, to model validation and those kind, and those kind of, of automation. Also, in the areas of risk management and so on and so forth. Yeah, we've even heard of we've even heard of automation being used in um, by vendors to 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 do um, regression testing, for example, which is interesting as well. Yeah, sure. But it's but it speaks it speaks to the same thing. It is uh, cost of human being is um, it is is a challenge where you can automate. Um, you do automate, and even even when when we look on our on our development budgets, we always reserve 
some some capacity in order to to automate uh, automate processes and um, no matter where they are it could be um, automation in the area of continuous deployment automation in, in terms of testing and so on and so forth yeah, yeah. because we, because we internally running running uh, we call it continuous process improvement programs to get better yeah? yeah because the time is changing we need to get we need to get more output with the, with the same amount with the same amount of people and automa- automation and better utilization of resources is a key a key element to succeed here where do you see blockchain having potential and, and do you feel a threat from blockchain as a CTRM vendor? Honestly, honestly, I don't see so much a threat from blockchain as a CTRM vendor because when we look in the, when we look on the overall trading perspective, including financial markets, we see very much that the trend is going to, going to high frequency, consolidated holistic risk numbers. Not, not a lot of these risk numbers are can be can be aggregated by a simple mathematical fashion. So I think that the current blockchain technology is not able to to cover with the response times. I think my opinion hasn't changed in the last six months. I do think I do think it will be very interesting for for back office processing in the area of invoicing, in the area of settlement, and in the area of reconciliation. I I do see a lot of beauty for um, for blockchain in opening peer-to-peer marketplaces when the trade fees are too expensive for people. And I think it will be a very nice technology to be used for distributed distributed power, power generation in the so-called smart grids, where the response time is not that important, but you want to have uh, thorough processes. Yeah. So in the core high, high-end trading and risk management and consolidated risk numbers, you know, we're talking about and XVA getting more and more important for a lot of firms. We all do know that FRTB has um, FRTB has now moved out a little bit, but but risk is getting much more much more embedded in the front office. So time is key. Therefore, I see blockchain more in the in the, in the supporting and back office technologies. Yeah, I, th- I think we would agree with you. I mean, I think that we see opportunities for blockchain in things like small smart contracts. Mm-hmm. And also in and around things like traceability and transfer of ownership where there's a trust issue, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But we don't necessarily see it replacing ETRM, CTRM as a whole anyway. On, on the interfaces, on the, on the, on the outer skirts, on the uncoupling with marketplaces, maybe augmenting the retail arm into the, into the trading systems. I think this is where you will see it. But again, it, it is, it's an area where we constantly watch. Only because it maybe ha- doesn't have the latency and performance requirements today, it doesn't necessarily say that it's not gonna it's not gonna change in the next couple of months or years. So it is an, a trend which we follow very thoroughly and need to be aware of. But you know that's the snapshot as of today, and this can this can change in a in a couple of quarters. I was also interested in the results in the sense that some of the things that I thought might be an area of investment and prove to be important, like, um, you know, visualization using perhaps um, uh, virtual reality and this kind of thing didn't show up really at all. Um, because, you know, if, if you're really looking at big data and you're using machine learning and artificial intelligence to, to find value in that data, you also need ways to visualize that data. Don't you think that's important too? My view of this is potentially, you know, the second step where we see a, a big trend, especially on the, on the risk side, market and credit risk side are real time cubes. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think as as long as you're not able to slice and dice your data in in near real time or in real time in the way you want, the visualization comes secondary. So I, I think currently when when you think about and then credit risk or various areas of market risk or trade positions. You want to get, you want to have access to this data very quickly. You want, if you want to have a run a PNL explained, you want to do this, you want to do this basically on the fly with a, with a, with drilling functionalities to, to go down where the root cause of uh, PNL deviations are. And I think getting, uh, getting the challenges of hundred thousands of trades and their PNL data and, um, and, uh, and be able to slice and dice this information in real time. This is where we see the focus. And I think if, if this is then has, a, has achieved being becoming the market standard, then you will think about how you view the data. Coming back to the report, I think was a very good report. And I think we need to consider doing something, some, something again, um, maybe next year. It is, I, I feel that the disruption will be faced these days from a, from, from a market requirements perspective, as well as from, a, uh, from a technology perspective is the biggest I have seen in the last, in the last decade. So maybe this is a very, a very up to date report now, but it might be, might be very, very different in a year from now. Um, you know, our focus, as I said, is, is, is machine learning, automation and real time, real time risk as we see from the middle of this, uh, moving closer together. Blockchain, blockchain is a technology we watch. And I think we'll be currently very, very, very heavily focused is, you know, trying to become cloud native. Uh, because because for, for us vendors which own the market since a couple of years, it's it's a longer journey compared to some of the startups which maybe leap and breathe those cloud native functions like elasticity and continuous deployment. But it's a very interesting time and we're looking forward to catch up again with the analysts like yourself. We also spoke to Colin Hartley over at Drilling Info. Well, I think from a technology standpoint, the big hitters that you highlight, things like cloud computing and big data and AI and algo trading, they're the kind of things that we're either doing now or have been talking with the clients about for quite a while. I think the big surprise for me in the report that you had over 20% of the respondents believe that augmented and virtual reality will have some impact in the future. And it's certainly something that we've not had any involvement in so far, but certainly something to look out for. The biggest disruptor in uh, the data management field is, uh, and it certainly has been for the past few years, is the use of NoSQL databases. Um, and these have been around for many years, of course, but more recently they've gained quite a lot of popularity and we're seeing many energy and commodity companies that are now adopting them. I mean, for example, we've been using MongoDB, a very popular NoSQL database for quite a few years now. And initially when we were talking to clients about it, they were very wary, you know, that they're used to their traditional relational databases that they know and love. Uh, nowadays, when we're mentioning in MongoDB, we often get nods of approval from the IT team, which um, which is very reassuring, and because they've basically been looking at it for a while, actively researching and and developing applications against both MongoDB and lots of other NoSQL databases. And what about data management in the cloud? Because cloud software as a service was was the most highly rated area for, for short-term investment and disruption. Yeah, I mean, data lakes is something that uh, we've discussed with a few clients and uh, a few uh, a few of them are actually uh, attempting to build data lakes with degrees of success, I would say. And it's certainly something that's on the horizon for a lot of the the companies that we're speaking to. Another area of data management which is um, quite interesting is the use of serverless technology in the cloud. A lot of the um, the cloud providers are now promoting this uh, functionality such as AWS and their lambdas. And it's certainly the way forward in terms of 
cutting down costs and removing operational overheads of running lots of servers and um, the ability to run these small, well-defined processes on demand without the need to have a server running most of the time, effectively overnight when it's idle, um, it's, uh, it's costing you money, whereas the serverless technologies allow you to be able to run things on demand and save costs and uh, have a less operational overhead. Let's just back up to data lakes because that was something that I only sort of heard myself recently. Am I right in understanding that a data lake is basically just throwing all your structured and unstructured data into a storage area on the cloud so you can play with it later or is there something else to it? Yeah, effectively that's what it is. It's a place where you can place any type of data, structured, unstructured, like news, content, anything, and then have the ability to be able to categorize it and pull out data on demand and also create relationships between all those types of data. There's obviously a lot of actions needed on the data in order to be able to infer relationships between them. But that technology is actually it's still in its infancy, but it is actually growing quite rapidly recently. People are seeing this as an easier way of working with unstructured data more than structured data because obviously structured data has been around for quite a while and it's um, uh, sort of well defined whereas the ability to be able to categorize and use unstructured data is a fairly new thing. And I don't know if you noticed in the report, but we did ask people about using social media. And I know that you guys have, have played around with, with uh, social media data sources. Were you surprised by the result? Because it didn't seem like there was a huge, less than a majority, let's put it that way, it's kind of surprised. There is a lot of scepticism, of course, about social media because of the, I guess, all the fake news scandals and the ability to be able to corrupt it quite easily. I think if you're utilizing things like Twitter and Facebook, it's it's more about understanding the source, the provenance of that data, so that at least you can work on the assumption that it's actually coming from a, a worthy news source. Once you've established that, then the ability then to be able to categorize that and gain some sentiment on what the people are actually talking about helps in trading decisions and, and a lot of the downstream systems that want to be able to use this data. We're also seeing, sort of in line with what the report suggested with investment around data management, we're also seeing quite a lot of activity on the data management side generally. And talking to some of the headhunters that we talked to uh, in particular, they're telling us that what they're trying to find right now is not necessarily ETRM or CTRM knowledge skills of certain vendors and products, but more data specialists and analysts to look at data and do data management. What does that tell you about, about the marketplace and what's going on? Yeah, I mean, we've seen exactly that. The new term data scientist has come into effect, and these guys are effectively uh, pseudo-programmers that have an affiliation with data that enable to understand patterns within the data and then define intelligence around that. I mean, if we look at the the typical pyramid of the way you convert data through to knowledge, information, and wisdom, then that requirement to be able to seek out the intelligence within the data is a skill that uh, is not readily available to your typical programmer or uh, data analyst. So this data science category has come about simply because um, we need to be able to analyze the data in a lot more depth than we ever used to before. And have you uh, come across any chief data officers? Because apparently this is a, a new a new uh, position that's being created in, in many companies. Yes, it's certainly something that we've discussed with our clients for a long time because 
the responsibility for ensuring that uh, the data that a company uses has to fall within the realm of somebody within the company. So this new title, Chief Data Officer, I think more than fits that bill to ensure the quality of the data, the, you know, the data processes, where the data has been used and the data provenance, all that kind of thing falls, falls under the remit of it of this person at least. And lastly, I guess, uh, we'll touch on the inevitable, which is that having having all of this resort, data resource structured and unstructured from various different sources, of course, people are trying to extract value from that and apply artificial intelligence and machine learning. What are you seeing in that area? What do you think's around the corner there? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing quite, as you noticed in your report, actually, we're seeing quite a lot more interest in automated trading. In order to be able to automate trades, you need to get triggers from either pricing information. So you're looking at um, algo trading based on you know, algorithms around the prices or potentially using sentiment as a feed um, that will trigger based on this, the sentiment of what the market feels. In order to do this and cut out human error, of course, uh, you have to rely on automated bots to be able to perform those trades for you. Where do you think this will take the tr- average trader? Because basically, the trader's always been the dem- demigod that does everything himself, with, a, with maybe with an assistant in Excel spreadsheets, surrounded by charts, maps, and graphs, and all of a sudden being replaced by, by bots. So so does the trader become a different type of person, a different animal? I think so. I think you what you'd be looking at is somebody that, that has the inherent knowledge of how the market works. And that knowledge then has to be translated into code that can automate those trades so you still need the people with the basically the the understanding of when markets move in different ways they will need to be able to affect the way the algorithm works ultimately if everybody's algo trading then there'll be a different kind of animal that comes out of this this person that tries to beat the algo trader one thing that fascinated me in the report was um, your commentary on the political and regulatory changes that have been the catalyst really for this need for more data and faster processing more requirements for understanding the source of the data and how it's calculated ultimately this results in the use of these newer technologies i mean that that to me really ultimately made the report more relevant to the emerging technologies those were great insights gary i, I think think you would agree with that. Is there anything there that you found necessarily controversial or something that falls out of what you would see as the, the mainstream of thought on these disruptive technologies? No, I guess, though, the the question I was forced to ask at the end of the day is, is, disrupt, is disruptive technology the right phrase? Because it seemed to me that given all of the changes that are going on in the industry, many of these technologies are actually enabling technologies as opposed to disruptive technologies. So that's a great point. Uh, I think we are seeing kind of an evolution of technology. You know, when you think about disruption, you think about things like blockchain, you know, and what's the potential there. But I think as we look at things like machine learning and AI, uh, I think those are continuing to evolve in this marketplace. Uh, Algo trading has been around for a while, not necessarily that much in the commodities markets. But uh, I, I do think that as these technologies are more broadly adopted and there's use cases developed for each of them, it's they have the potential, I think, to ultimately disrupt. But I, again, I think they're kind of uh, just bringing kind of a natural evolution to the technologies that are, are currently in use. I mean, if we step back from the survey and just look at some of the other background research that we did for the report, it's plainly obvious that right now there's a huge amount of interest in the industry in data management, data mining, 
Uh, we're seeing, you know, from the headhunters talking to headhunters that they're more focused on acquiring and hiring data scientists and analysts. We've heard talk of uh, the, the position of the chief data officer as distinct to the CTO or the CIO taking responsibility for an organization's data. And even talk of teams being assembled that are like uh, centralized and, and, and look around the business for opportunities to extract information, extract business value from the data that the companies have and have access to. So it seems to me like there's almost a mini revolution going on on the data side, primarily driven by the fact that there's so much more data around now and a lot, of, a lot more transparency as a result of the regulations that are in place. And business strategy is being dictated to some extent by these exercises of looking at data for business opportunity. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's something I think Colin mentioned, and it's something that we've heard before, too, that potential disruption could come from the fact that, you know, these data scientists and uh, data analysts are, are going to become the, the new traders, that they're going to be parsing everything that's coming into the shops from all these various channels and new channels that are being developed and, and looking for opportunity there. And that, that will be the ultimately the trading opportunity, the arbitrage opportunities in a very fast-moving market. So, you know, maybe that is ultimately the disruption that we're going to see in this marketplace. Going back to some of the other things outside of the data world like blockchain, that's that's an interesting development, but I think the our report and some of the things that we're seeing in the marketplace support the fact that blockchain is not necessarily going to become the trading technology. It's going to become more of a, a settlement back office technology, and I think Mark has had a real good point about that, too. And when you think about blockchain three, four, five years down the line, perhaps, and you put that into the same context of the trend that we're seeing towards breaking down the monolithic applications into smaller bite-sized chunks, ecosystems, APIs, specific applications, then I start to question really whether blockchain will ultimately disrupt the CTRM vendor side as indicated in the survey, because the vendors will have plenty of opportunity to take this on, to utilize blockchain where it's appropriate as a point application or, or an, an, an additional piece of their overall CTRM functionality. So I'm not sure that I necessarily agree with the survey results in the sense that it will disrupt you know, the CTRM and ERP providers. I think they will adopt this technology progressively and they'll use it in places where it has true applicability. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you on that one. I, I think that at the end of the day, blockchain is going to be just, uh, or, you know, whatever applications are developed on blockchain will just simply be another set of data points for ETRM, CTRM, CM solutions to, to pick up in the you know, in the continuing administration of a deal. If it, if it ultimately comes down to settlement, uh, that's probably as great as risk to ERP solutions as it would be to CTRM solutions. But even with both of those, it's, it really comes down to record keeping uh, more than it comes down to what we would view as the, the highest and best value of ETRM, CTRM systems, which is, you know, position management, evaluation, analytics. I don't see necessarily blockchain disrupting that model. No, and in fact, that's where, going back to AI, I guess that's where AI is going to get deployed. Um, I think not just in terms of trading and auto automating 
and deploying bots to do trading, but also in terms of optimizing. So I could see artificial intelligence being deployed around logistics and optimizing scheduling and logistics, optimizing some of the forecasting that gets done, particularly on the electric power side around generation forecasting and, and production planning and all these sorts of areas. So to some extent, having said that AI is perhaps an enabling technology, it could also be quite disruptive in of itself as well, forcing the CTRM and ERP and CM vendors to adopt and take on board some of this new technology in, in those areas as well. To your last point there, I think that that really can be viewed as an opportunity for these vendors, uh, these technology vendors, in being able to onboard AI to do some of those things that they've had difficulty to before. And that's, you know, specifically around logistics, for instance, and optimizing the the supply chain. We've seen that tried a number of years, uh, well, for the last decade and a half or more, when ETRM systems first came out and the, and the difficulty in, in being able to code any type of optimization into those systems for things like, you know, gas transportation or power transmission or uh, even as you get into shipping and logistics there. Uh, they've always had difficulty. Maybe that is the, a great opportunity for them to start to adopt AI rather than being threatened by AI. So I I think when you look at the different technologies, particularly with the backdrop of the the move to the cloud, I I, I would say that disruptive may be, it it is going to disrupt business processes, it is going to disrupt parts of the industry, it is going to result in new business processes, uh, new uses of data, and, and it's disruptive in that perspective, but it's also enabling. And interestingly enough, as you and I are working on the vendor perception results, One thing that intrigued me is that in the disruptive technology survey and report, of course, cloud is almost a de de facto done deal. You get that sense from the disruptive technology survey that cloud is the current area of investment. It's it's almost behind us and AI is the next big thing along with data mining. But then when you look at some of the data around buying criteria that we're seeing in the vendor perception study, the buyers themselves and the the consultants who influence those buying decisions, perhaps, they still view CTRM in the cloud as a pretty low priority, which I, I was kind of surprised at, although the vendor perception study is a look backwards as opposed to a look forwards, I guess. Yeah, and and maybe it's hard to explain that result, but you know, clearly we have seen not a, a demand that the applications being in the cloud be in the cloud, at least a, a willingness to adopt cloud-based solutions on the part of buyers, you know, it, and that's a significant change over the last five years. Five years ago, cloud adoption was very low, very few people trusted it, but now we're seeing that the, the trust in the cloud is, is definitely there, and, and buyers, I think, are kind of, uh, at a minimum, agnostic to whether it's delivered in the cloud or delivered on-premises. They're not necessarily demanding cloud but they're willing to adopt cloud. So, you know, I I think that is part of the continuing evolution that we're seeing in in cloud deployments. Two, I I think that there may be some prejudice on the part of uh, some of the consultants that answer the survey. You know, maybe there's a sense that, you know, on-premises is uh, a bit more of a revenue source for them than than cloud solutions. I don't know. That's, uh, I suppose that's possible. One thing that is is very clear is that the, the cloud, the move to the cloud itself is behind a lot of this because only in the cloud can you do many of the things that are being done today. For example, we're seeing a lot of new vendors and and, and offerings come to market, 
that quite clearly suck data into an app that's in the cloud and it's a very focused app and shoot reports out the other side. And I think we're going to see a lot more of this over the next couple of three years until things settle out again, where people are utilizing the cloud model in order to focus in on particular problems and solve them with an app. And I think that is going to ultimately also help drive this move to ecosystems and breaking down the monolithic CTRM solution. Yeah, I I think that's the best example of uh, when we start talking about disaggregating ETRM, CTRM, CM capabilities. I think that's really the the best example of it that we can find is are those cloud applications, those microservices, if you will, that really are picking up capabilities that may or may not exist in existing traditional systems, but they're making them more easy to acquire, less onerous to implement. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's the, the cloud is, is really the enablement of what we're calling, you know, the disaggregation of, of the uh, traditional systems. Yeah, so to that end, I think it was a piece of research well worth doing, and, and we got quite a good response, and I think the result's pretty solid. So I, I'm quite pleased with the, the overall result, and it certainly informed and helped our analysis going forward. Yeah, and I think it's something certainly we should consider uh, uh, making more of a, a regular report and, and, and study in the marketplace, because I, I do think as for the next couple of years, some of these changes will accelerate, and it'll be interesting to see the trajectory of those. So that's the end of another CTRM radio podcast from Commodity Technology Advisory, the leading analysts in the CTRM and related software space. We hope that you enjoyed it. You can find the podcast at ctrmcenter.com and also at soundcloud.com under the title CTRM Radio. We'd like to thank the guests that appeared on this edition, including Colin Hartley of Drilling Info and Dr. Marcus Sizer of FIS. Please stay tuned for future editions of CTRM Radio, which appear roughly about once every month to six weeks or so. Thank you for listening. We hope it was useful. Goodbye. You've been listening to CTRM Radio, a podcast by leading industry analysts, Commodity Technology Advisory. You can find more information about us at ComTechAdvisory.com and much more news, views, research, and information on CTRM at the CTRM Center at CTRMCenter.com. Thank you for joining our presenters, managing partners Patrick Reams and Gary M. Basie and their guests today, and we hope to see you on a future edition of CTRM Radio. 